when we sing a song like that, that Jesus reigns above it all, um, man, I, I hope that that is something that gives you joy, uh, that's exciting to you, that overwhelms you. God reigns above everything, and God is king, and he is Lord, and he is master, and he is our savior. And, and this idea, right, that God is over everything, that we can trust him. Uh, I, uh, Some of you know, like, every now and then I get in my own head, late night Ryan is not my friend. Late night Ryan gets, you know, worried and anxious and stuff, and so he visited me last night. I stayed up a little bit too late, and I... I I start kind of getting too much in my own head, and I have to kind of pause and remember this, like that God reigns above it all, that God is over everything, and I have to remember to put my confidence in the Lord. We're going to be in Romans 7 today, if you want to find that. Uh, it shouldn't be too big of a surprise if you've been here the last few weeks, because we're in Romans so far this year, and we've been going through the chapters uh, kind of one a week or a couple a week. But here's what we have on tap today. Our theology is this, Christians, by faith, have died to the law so they can belong to Christ. Christians, by faith, have died to the law so they can belong to Christ. Our application is this, the righteous requirement of the law has been gloriously fulfilled in Christ. And our prayer today is, Lord God, set our hearts to rejoice in and rest on you and the righteousness you have supplied. This is not a new theme for us, that righteousness comes from Christ, that righteousness is supplied to us by God. This is not of our own works. This isn't of our own effort. We cannot be righteous on our own strength. We cannot uh, be saved on our own strength. We can't even glorify God on our own strength. That is the work of the Spirit in us. And we, we come to God as people who need Him, who recognize that He reigns not only over who has conquered sin and death. When we talk about Christians by faith have died to the law so they can belong to Christ, I'll give you, in two minutes, I'll give you a recap of what we've learned so far in Romans. We've learned that the gospel is for all who believe, Jews or Gentiles. That there is no one who is excluded from the gospel. There's no people group. Uh, there isn't some person in the corner of the world. There isn't your enemy, like the person that has been like, you know, like the bane of your existence. I don't know who that was for you. Depends what... I had an enemy, it feels like, every year in elementary school. Like, you know, I was, I, I was, I, I was one of the, like, least three cool people, you know? Like, I was at the bottom, and, you know, all the cool kids, at the, and so that, I, I just was a magnet for these guys. And so, like, I, like, I remember being in, and I won't call anybody out, maybe they're listening these days, who knows? But I remember being, like, in fifth grade and sixth grade and going, man, you don't know Jesus, you know? Like, but Jesus is even for them, right? Even for these guys, and so Christ is for all who believe. We talked about how in chapters 3 and 4 uh, that, that righteousness is by faith. Righteousness is not a result of our works. Righteousness is not because we've lived good enough, not because we've read the Bible enough, not because we've been to church enough. Righteousness is a matter of faith in Christ, that righteousness is given to all who believe, and that that righteousness is worked by Jesus and then this past week, what we talked about in chapter 6 is that we have been set free from sin. Romans 6 says that we have been set free from sin's power. Romans uh, 6, 20, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm ahead of myself. Romans 6, 6 says we know that our old self was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin would be brought to nothing or rendered powerless so that we are no longer enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Like, we, we read those last week, and we ended, right, with Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life 
through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the third time we've seen the free gift of God. We saw it in chapter 3, we saw it in chapter 4, we saw it again in chapter 6. That this is a gift of God, that righteousness is God's gift to us. I've told you uh, over the last few weeks that I believe that Christianity is more beautiful and more glorious and honestly, uh, in many respects, easier than what I was raised to believe. Because typically, when I grew up in church, here is kind of how I heard it taught. Put your faith in Jesus so you won't go to hell, and then be sure you do all these things. And righteousness is, is put your faith in Jesus. Not going to hell is like, the, like part of the list, right? But it's not the whole thing. Put your faith in Christ so that sin's power can be broken, so that you can inherit the righteousness of God, so that you are the part of the, the, the family of God. We're, we're not, we are not sinners. Uh, I, I've said this a couple of times recently too. We're not sinners saved by grace. We're not, thank you. Who said that? Yeah, thank you, dude. Appreciate it. My brain like was disconnected for just a minute. Lack of sleep. Thanks, Dre. And, and so we were sinners saved by grace. People say that all the time. Christians say that all the time to kind of be, you know, self-deprecating, a little bit humbling, you know. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, no, no. Identity in the Bible is very important. You were a sinner who, having been saved, is now a saint. You were an enemy of God. You are now a child of God. You were separated from God. You are now united with God through Christ. Like, th those are two different places. They're not... Anyway, like, it is better, right? It is better. Jesus' invitation... Man, I'm getting way ahead of myself in my notes. That's uh, okay. I don't have this next one in my notes, so we'll, we can throw it in anywhere. Jesus' invitation... I think I do, actually. Hold on. No, it's not in the notes, so it allows me to place it anywhere. In Matthew 11, in Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The invitation of Christ to the lost is to come to him because it's easy. Amen. Believe. Put faith. And so we learned last week that we are dead to sin, and we go, yeah, 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 but Ryan... We learned last week that sin has no authority over us anymore, that we're no longer slaves to sin. We go, yeah, yeah, but what about what Paul says in chapter 7? So glad you came back. So now we can talk about chapter 7. All right? So listen to this. We've just learned, we've just learned that we are just learned that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life is Christ, in, uh, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So look here. Pick up with me. In verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the, the law, that the law is binding on a person only so long as they're alive. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is alive, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she's called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive, but if her husband dies, she is free from the law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. Here's what this is saying, really quickly, in a nutshell. Michelle and I are married. If she goes and decides to marry somebody else today, she's an adulteress. She's, she's incredibly biased in my favor, which is ridiculous, but uh, ridiculous but appreciated, right? So, so if she were to do that, if she were to do that, she would be an adulteress. But if I die today, right, I told you before, like, I hope I die when I'm preaching. That would be really cool. And I can just say, listen, you never know when you're going to draw your last breath. Come to Christ. Believe in Christ. And then I just fall over dead and then everybody gets saved. It would be really, it would be, <clears throat> be a good kind of, right? 
It'd be my best sermon, right? And, and so, but if I drop dead today, if I drop dead today, I just started running again, haven't run in four months, so when I go for a run today, it's, you know, that's a possibility. So, uh, but I will run past Stacy's house, and so if I'm getting too tired, I'll just collapse into your driveway. Is that okay? So, so if I die today and Michelle goes and gets married tomorrow, it might seem sketchy, but it's not against the law, right? <laughs> She's not an adulteress. She hasn't done anything wrong because why? Because I'm dead, okay? She's bound to me as her husband until I'm dead, right? So that's what Paul's saying here. This is Jewish language. We can talk about it later, but, but listen to this. Verse 4, so likewise, my brothers, you have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you can belong to another who has been raised from the, uh, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we can bear fruit for God. Now listen, here's what Paul has just said. These Jewish people, his audience here, they were married to the law. They were joined to the law, and the law could not die. So they couldn't be set free from the law. So what did God do? When We said it. We saw it in in Romans 6, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, verse 8. I have died. I have died. You have died. You have died with Christ. You have been crucified with Christ. You have died. So Paul says, listen. We couldn't kill the law, so God killed you. You died so that you could be joined to somebody else. You were married to the law. Now you're married to Christ. That's what he's saying, okay? Two different things. Dre, I love you, man. Listen, I just, I just need you to know that, like, if you've ever wondered, you know, I land in insecurity, all right? And so anything like... That? Okay, right? Like, just talk to me sometimes. If you're wondering, like, I'm a dork. And dorks need people occasionally to, you know, like, go, you know what? You're dorky, but we appreciate you. You know, like, that's okay. We can take that. Now, listen, uh, here's the thing, right? We We were joined to the law, not we necessarily, but people in general joined to the law. The law couldn't die because God set the law in place. The law couldn't die, so God made people die so they could be joined to Christ. I need you to hear this. You are not both joined to the law and to Christ. You are either connected to the law or you are connected to Christ, not both. You were made to die to the law so that you could be joined to Jesus. Look at this right here. L- listen, this should not be difficult for us just to catch it on the face, look at uh, of the face of it. Look at verse 4. You have also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you could belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, so that you would bear fruit for God. For while we were living in our sinful, while we were living in our flesh, sorry, while we were living in our flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we've been released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. I need you to hear that this is a contrast of two identities. You have died to the law so you could be joined to Christ, for when we were living in our flesh, now listen, if you've grown up around church, you've been taught your whole life like I was taught my whole life, and like I preached, unfortunately, for 20 years, that flesh is sin nature. Paul uses flesh. The New Testament uses the, the word flesh. It's sarks. It literally just means body. It literally means body. That's what it literally means. When the Bible says, and Jesus came in the flesh, in Romans 5, uses the same word. He uses the same word two chapters ago to describe Jesus. This is not sin nature. This is body, okay? When we were alive in our body, when we were living by our body, 
What does he say? Your sinful passions were aroused by the law. But now that we're not living according to our body's strength, what are we living according to? We're living according to the Spirit's strength. Now we can bear fruit for God. Okay? So we were, when we were joined to the law, we were living according to our flesh. I need to do the law. I'll fulfill the rules. I'll obey all the things. I'll make sure all my ducks are in a row. I'll do all the right stuff. That's living by flesh according to the law. But now, since we died to that, we've been joined to the Spirit, and now we have life by the Spirit. It's a contrast, okay? Not two things existing in one human heart. It is who you were before you met Jesus, contrasted with who you are having met Jesus, okay? Now listen. I hope, I hope that you'll continue this dialogue with us. And you know, you know what I honestly hope? I, I just, I've got to believe that you guys are smarter than I am. This, this took me about three years to wrap my head around, and I'm just, I'm just hoping by the time you finish your chips and salsa today at lunch, like you're like, dude, psh, that's easy, right? Like, this is, I, I, I'm slow-witted. And, it's, and the reason I'm slow-witted uh, is, is because as, I, I see things a certain way, and it's very difficult for me to see them a different way. I'm just slow. All right? Now listen to this, all right? So remember that what, what Romans is dealing with as a whole. Don't, don't ever just rip one verse out of context and make it say something, okay? Remember what Romans is dealing with as a whole. As a whole, so far, he's been saying it is not by works that we are saved. It is by faith. It is not by works that we are righteous. It is by faith. Paul says in Romans 4, he says, Abraham was not declared righteous by God because of his works, but because of his belief. And this is written, he concludes chapter 4, with, and this is written for all who believe that we can know that righteousness is a matter of faith. So that's what's, that's what's at stake here, faith versus works. Okay? So listen to this. Jump down with me to verse 9. So this is talking about what it looks like to be under the law. Paul, Paul's anticipating the question. He goes, some of you are going to go, is the law bad then? And he goes, no, the law's not bad. But verse 8, okay, but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, through the law, produced in me all sorts of covetousness. For without the law, sin lies dead. Without the law, sin lies dead. Paul says, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. Okay, so here's what Paul says. Before I knew all the rules, I was alive, man. I was doing whatever I wanted. To, like, just live. And then when I learned all the rules, I was like, crud. <laughs> Look how bad I am, right? That's kind of what we do as Christians. When you're a little kid, here's what you're taught as a little kid. Jesus loves you. That's what we're taught as a little kid. We're taught Jesus loves you, and he died for you, and Jesus died on the cross for you, and he wants to, and we do it like that, right, with that voice. And then, then they get a little bit older, and then we go, okay, yeah, Jesus loves you, but you've really screwed up. <laughs> it's funny, but it's also tragic, because let's, if you've been around church your whole life, right, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but if you've been around your church, the church your whole life, then you are the person who heard that teaching, Jesus loves you. Do you know that? Jesus wants you to know that he loves you. Do you know that Jesus saved you? Do you know that his blood washed away your sins? And then the gospel eventually becomes, yeah, he did that, but what are you doing for him? And then we go to lunch and we go, man, I really got to step up my game. I am terrible. I can't believe how badly I failed this week. See, that's what Paul's saying. I thought I was doing okay until I learned the rules, and then I realized I wasn't doing okay at all. The problem for most Christians the problem for most Christians, the reason that we live under condemnation is because we learned the rules. 
instead of just putting our faith in Jesus. Somewhere along the way, we got told, you need to read your Bible like this. I mean, listen, guys, I, I love reading the Bible. Uh, February 1st, Tuesday, is my Christian birthday. We celebrate those in our house, and, uh, and so we celebrate Christian birthdays. You might not know the day for you, and that's okay. We just made up one for Michelle because she, she knows it was the summer sometime, and so like we just picked one for her, right? So whatever. But, but February 1st, 1995, I started reading the Bible. Like, really started reading it. I had tried to read it a few times before that, and I started reading it. Now, I am not a morning person, and you can disrespect me all you want to, but mornings are ridiculous, okay? If I go to bed at a decent hour, I can get up in the morning, but I need my eight and a half, right? You guys who can do this, do life on five hours of sleep, I don't know what's wrong with you. Something in your brain is messed up, okay? Um, but I need my eight and a half, and so if I get in bed eight and a half hours before I'm going to get up, I'm okay, right? And it really sometimes takes me like, you know, a little while to fall asleep. So like nine and a half hours before I need to get up so that you have time to go to sleep. You know what I'm saying? Anybody that system? Now, listen, I had so many people when I was reading the Bible in 95, 96, 97, they're like, are you reading the Bible in the mornings? And I'm like, no. And they're like, you don't get up and read the Bible before you, I'm like, if I have to be somewhere in 15 minutes, I'm waking up 12 minutes before that. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I was 19 years old. I was rolling out of my sleeping bag. I didn't have any furniture. I was very poor. Uh, I was rolling out of my sleeping bag, making myself some scrambled pancakes because I had one skillet. Uh, I had no money, and I would buy the instant pancake mix and add water to it, and my skillet was really bad, and I would just scramble the pancakes until it was a blob, and that was my breakfast, and I'd hit the road, right, and I'd go to wherever I needed to be. I didn't have time, like, for Bible reading. You know, you had scrambled pancakes takes longer than you'd think. And, 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 and so I would, I would roll out, and people would be like, did you do your Bible reading this morning? No, I'm going to do it tonight. And they're like, oh, man, you got to start your day with Jesus. And so here's what I started doing because 20-year-old Ryan was more mouthy than 46-year-old Ryan. And I said, well, can I ask you a question? And they said, yeah. I said, so you do your Bible reading in the morning? And they said, yeah. I said, do you do it again before you go to bed? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, that's weird. And they're like, why? And I'm like, so are you saying that your Bible reading lasts you for 24 hours? And they said, yes. And then, and then I would say, shut up. So does mine. You know? Like, I'm, I'm good. But we start to learn the rules. And then we start to really get condemned. But how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you, you just, you've been a Christian and you really want to honor Jesus and yet you just can think of all the times you failed at it. And you carry that. It's because we've been taught all the rules. I know, I know where this is going to go. I know where the conversation is going to go. I wish I had time to unpack the entire thing for you. But look at this. Look at verse 11. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, through the law, deceived me, and through the law, killed me. So here's what we have. Look at verse 9 again. I used to be alive without the law, but then sin came, right? And I died. Sin seized an opportunity, deceived me, and killed me. And then jump down, if you would, down to verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, body, works, right? I am of this flesh sold under sin. Now that word sold right there, it, it's used all over the New Testament, but whenever it's talking about a person, right? Whenever it's talking about a person, it's talking about sold into slavery, sold into slavery to sin. Catch this. My whole life up until six years ago, 
I've been preaching for 27. So the first 21 years of my preaching, I would get to this section and I would say, look, let me read it to you quickly. Verse 15, Paul says, I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want. The very thing that I, uh, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, I agree that the law is good. It is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I know that nothing good dwells in me. That's in my flesh, my body. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability. I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. Now, 21 years of preaching. And anytime I came to that text, I said, look, guys, it's hopeless. That's what I would say. I want you to just hear me out. Guys, it's hopeless. If Paul says he can't even do the things he's wanting to do, what chance do we stand? I want you to think about that for just a minute, how encouraging of a message that, that was, right? Because now people are going out and they're going, dang, well, I mean, uh, if Paul can't, you know, I, I, I'm an artist in West Texas, right? <laughs> like, what chance do I stand, right? Like, I'm like, ah, uh, but hear me. Check this out. I want you to notice something, okay? Paul has already said in chapter 6 that we have died to sin, that sin has been rendered powerless, and that we've been set free from slavery to sin. And then he says here in verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, body, okay, sold to sin. How can you not be a slave to sin and be a slave to sin at the same time? The answer is you can't. Paul in Romans 7 is talking about what it looks like to live under the law. That's what he's been talking about the entire time in chapter 7. He says, here's what it looks like to live under the law. The law is good, he says, but you were made to die to the law so you could be joined to another, to Christ. According to the law, according to the rules, right? I can't ever do the things I want to do. How many of you have ever, like, uh, okay, I won't use you, I'll use me. Passion events, like the big college kind of meeting events. I don't know if you know what those are, but like thousands and thousands of college students would come together and hear this great worship. Passion worship is still a thing, and they still do these events, but not as, it's not as prominent as it used to be. And you'd go to a passion event where there's 30,000 college-age people, and you're there, and you're worshiping, and you're listening to the preachers. And every single time I left, I went, I need to be better. Every single time, I need to be better. And within about a month, I was like, well, that didn't last long. And I just, I hated myself, right? Hated myself. And so I go, okay, I'm going to be better this month. And, you know, maybe that lasts for a few months. And then I'd go, dang it, ah, I hate myself, right? I, I had all these things I wanted to do, but as hard as I tried to do, I couldn't ever accomplish them. And the things that I didn't want to do, I found myself continuing to do them. Why? Because I was living according to this, my strength, my ability, my flesh, what I could accomplish. It wasn't according to the Spirit. It was according to Ryan. The Bible says in Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit and you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. Not Ryan, try really hard. Live according to the Spirit of God that is in you and you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. You were set free from the law so that you could be joined to Christ. You were set free from the, the, your standard of living so that Christ's work could be accomplished in you. Listen to this. Listen to what Paul says. So he says here in verse 14, I'm sold under sin. 
But he's just told us in chapter 6 that the cross has removed us from slavery to sin. That we're no longer slaves to sin. When was Paul a slave to sin? When he was under the law. That's when he was a slave to sin. And then check this out. And I don't know why we missed this. Okay. Oh, by the way, look at this. Let me, I, I just need to be super clear about this. And I'm not going to be as clear as I want to be because I never am. And I'm sorry for that. <laughs> 714. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. Now, I, spoilers, okay, because this is next week's sermon. But if you flip over a page, if you're in the ESV, it'll be the next page. If you're in a different one, it might be on the same page. Romans 8, 8 and 9. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwells in you. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So when Paul says, I am of the flesh, sold under sin, he is talking, because here's, here's the bookend, right? Here's the bookend. Chapter, you're looking at it this way. So chapter 6 says, the cross has set us free from slavery to sin. Chapter 8 says, we are no longer people of flesh. We are people of the spirit. And chapter 7 says, here's what it looks like to be people of the flesh. Here's what the cross has done. Here's what the cross has accomplished. Here's what it looks like if you try to do it on your own. Here's what it looks like if you let the Spirit do it. And if we take Romans holistically, instead of just reading verses 15, 16, 17, and 18, if we take Romans holistically, we can see that flow. This is what I love here. Look at this. Oh, remember, I've already alluded to that. That's okay. Uh, let's see here. Look at verse 21 with me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Paul's going to be really tongue-in-cheek here. He's going to use law for everything now. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil is close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive of the law of sin that dwells in my members. So think about this. This is, this is I, man, you go and you hear that song. You go and you hear that preaching. You're like, yes, yes, I'm going to be different. And, and that's, that's this, like, right? You're like, oh, you're, and you get pumped up and you're like, man, I, I delight in the law of God in my heart. Like, I hear that and I'm like, yes, that's what I'm going to do. And then I walk out the door and, man, like, there, it's a battlefield because now the, the war of myself comes in and it's like, ah, but you're not going to do those things, right? And so Paul is like, oh, I hate that. And then he says, look at what he says. 24, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Go all the way back to the beginning of chapter 7. You've been made to die. Go back to the beginning of chapter 6, verses 2 through 8. Die, 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 right? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my body I serve the law of sin. But here's the problem. We stop there. Paul's letter did not stop there. There was not a chapter break in Paul's letter. So then I find that I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my body I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 
All of chapter 7, he talks about how the law produces sin and death, but God produces life. That was chapter 6. For the law of the Spirit of Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Two contrasting things. Okay? And then look at what he says. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Let me explain that verse to you. Ezekiel 18 says, if you and I can do all the law, we'll be righteous. That's what Ezekiel 18 says. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but it's verses 4 through uh, 9. If you can do the entire law, you'll be righteous. That's what Ezekiel 18 says. Guess what? Not going to happen. Why? Because our flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. Which is why Christ says, or why Paul says here, he goes, what the law could not accomplish because of our weak, pathetic, frail human flesh, right? We were too weak to do it. What the law couldn't accomplish, God did by sending Christ his son. Since the law could not accomplish righteousness, how was righteousness accomplished? Through Jesus, okay? Righteousness was accomplished through Jesus. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. See, we read flesh as sin nature. Flesh has to have a modifier. Flesh just means body. Christ was born in the likeness of flesh, Romans 5. Christ was born to look like us, sinful flesh, right? He was born like that, but... Uh, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Not sin nature. He condemned sin in what? In his body. How did Christ condemn sin? How did Christ do that? By fulfilling the law, by going to the cross righteous, by going to the cross holy. He was a holy sacrifice. He was a blameless sacrifice. He was the spotless lamb, right? This is who he was. Verse 4, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, chapter 7, but according to the spirit, chapter 8. The application is this. The righteous requirement of the law has been gloriously fulfilled in Christ. If you read just chapter 7, you're going to be really hopeless. I can't ever do the things I want to do. I'm destined to death. I was a good person until I knew all the rules, and now I'm garbage. And you're going to just be destitute. If you read chapter 7 without reading chapter 6 about what the cross accomplished, and chapter 8, what it looks like to live in the Spirit, do, do you not see that chapter 7 presents the problem, and then the end of chapter 7 presents the answer? Look at how wretched I am, Paul says. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Oh, by the way, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What's chapter 7? Condemnation. What's chapter 8? Not condemnation. What's the difference? Jesus. That's the difference. Some of you are going to go, Ryan, my entire life, and up until this morning, I have believed that Romans 7 said, I'm just not going to be able to do the things I want to do. I get it. That was me for 40 years. What I'm asking you to do is consider how Romans 7 fits in with Romans holistically. 
What I'm asking you to do is figure out what Paul says about sin and death in Romans 6 and Romans 8 and how Romans 7 fits in there. What I'm asking you to do, if you can imagine this, I presented this last week, let me present it again, and then every Sunday until I die. If you can imagine this, I'm asking you to believe that Jesus is better than we've ever thought or imagined. That's what I'm asking you to believe. That Jesus is bigger than our failure. That Jesus is bigger than our sin. And, and here's what this should do. Here's the application, right? Here's, what, here's how this should shape tomorrow. You ready? We should, oh, it is in my notes. Matthew 11 is in my notes. What do you know? We should rejoice in Christ. Who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be. Praise be. Glory be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But here's the other thing. We should be stripped of all opportunity for boasting in ourselves. Because a view of I got this leads to pride and boasting. People come to you and they go, why is your marriage the way that it is? If the first words out of your mouth aren't because Jesus then you've missed it. Why is your marriage the way that it is? Well, because we work really hard and we do this and we do that. They're leaving going, well, man, I just can't be like them. They're just better people than me. But if they come to you and you go, man, why is your marriage like it is? And you go, Jesus, <laughs> by the way, you can have him too, right? <laughs> then all of our boast and all of our brag lands at the feet of Christ. The law produces division. Christ produces unity. We're all pathetic. <laughs> then Jesus comes, and we're all radically changed. I hope that this is not a challenge for you, but I hope it's a blessing to you. Some of you are going, okay, okay, okay. So Jesus, Micah and I were talking about this before the sermon. We, we've got to work on it some still, but okay, so Jesus. So I'm a Christian now, and I rest in Christ. What, is, what do I do? What do I do? I don't have a perfect answer for you, but I will tell you this, that almost any person who comes to me with a problem, almost every person who comes to me with a problem, their marriage is in trouble, their self-esteem is shot, their whatever, almost every person who comes to me with a problem, I don't start with, you need to be nicer to each other. I don't start there. I don't start with, you need to really work on these three things. What I start with is, do you know how deeply loved you are by God? Because what I'm convinced of is from 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, is that we are able to love because he loved us first. And that our ability to walk in the power of Jesus Christ is directly related to our understanding of how much we are loved by him. And if you believe and know that you are loved by God, so much so that while you were yet sinners, Romans chapter 5, verses 8, 9, and 10, while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. While we were still enemies of the cross of Christ, if I can show you that and you can believe that, I believe with all my heart it changes how we live. Let, let me put it to you in earthly terms. Kids who believe they're loved by their parents feel differently about life than kids who believe they're hated by their parents. 
right? Some parents do everything in their power to show their kids their place. I'm the parent, you're the kid. Uh, you know, and, and some parents do everything in their power to show their kids love. Not free of discipline. God disciplines those he loves, right? Not free of discipline. But, but look, like the aim is love. Don't tell me those homes aren't different. How many, how many of us have been, how many of us, like probably everyone, was like, I'm going to do it differently than my parents did. Why? Have you ever met somebody who goes, man, I, I want to do it like my parents did. I've met like three. That's two. I've met like two apparently. <laughs> I'm a college dropout. Man, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And an artist. Artists don't know numbers. Um, listen. Listen. Paint by numbers. Is that what you said? Ouch. Oh. I just want you to know, despite you guys' snarky comments, I still love you very much. And, and I, I love being here with you guys week in and week out. Here's what I want us to grasp. We are loved by God. That's where it begins. That's where it begins. You are loved by God. Here's what else I want us to grasp. We can't do it. We have to understand that the Spirit of God has been placed in us so that as we rely on the Spirit, the result of that is our lives look more and more like Jesus. It, it, it's, it's, it's the yoke of Christ. If you don't know what a yoke is, a yoke is this wooden frame, right, that you could put on the back of a couple of oxen or one oxen, depending on the kind of the yoke it was, and then it would be hitched to the wagon. Jesus invites us under his yoke. Okay? Check this out. Have you ever... I, I try to include my kids in things, and I'm not very handy. I'm not handy at really anything. But every now and then I'll try to, and I'll be like, hey, do you want to help me with this? And they're like, sure. Do you want to help me move this? Do you want to help me carry this? 99 times out of 100, I'm the one doing it, right? But they've helped. You know what I mean? You're going, Ryan, what's my role? To be under the yoke with Jesus and realize that he's pulling the weight, that's the goal. Like, my feet aren't even touching the ground, you know? You know what I mean? And man, that's a great place to be. Here's our prayer today. Lord God, set our hearts to rejoice in and rest on you and the righteousness you have supplied. Lord God, set our hearts to rejoice in and rest on you and the righteousness you've supplied. Take a moment, would you, just to pray that, just to ask that God would help you to rest in him and on him and with him.
Lord God, we thank you for your grace. Truly we do. We thank you for the grace that has redeemed us. Not just from hell, but redeemed us from sin's power, redeemed us from death's power. We thank you, God, that it didn't just stop there, but that you've also given to us righteousness. That you've called us holy and chosen and beloved. That while once we were sinners, we are now forgiven, we are saints. That our identity has been altered. That before we were people who worked according to the flesh, but now we are people who live according to the spirit. God, set our hearts and our minds on you. Let us rest in you. Let us come to the place where we are not only comfortable to, but we rejoice in the fact that we place, we place all power and all authority and all dominion at your feet. God, make us the kind of people who boast and brag in the work you've done and what you've accomplished. And God, help us to know how deeply loved we are by you knowing and fully convinced that as we understand that we are loved by you, it will change how we love you and how we love others and how we live this life. May we be a people who never hesitate to boast in the name of Jesus.